I'm gonna go out on a limb here and guess that every one of us has someone that we need to forgive. But for myriad of reasons and rationalizations, we just haven't been able to do so. Someone at work has done something to us recently that we're having a hard time getting over. And that grudge, it's growing. A friend or loved one has hurt or betrayed us, and it's a growing chasm that puts at risk the relationship enduring. Something that happened to us in our past has become a stumbling block for us that keeps us from feeling fulfilled or happy. Forgiveness is about our choices, our openness, our decisions, our resolve. It has little to do with someone else's actions or attitudes. It's all about our own ability and capacity to forgive. In this Life app that I'm calling the What Happened app, we will ask ourselves the question, what happened, three different times to learn how to better forgive. The first, what happened, is asking ourselves the question to know and understand the situation or occurrence that has caused us to be hurt. You see, many times, we will just allow ourselves to feel something bad and not even stop and think about the actual severity of the situation. So we have to ask, what happened? And then honestly and objectively, place the event upon a spectrum that can span, at the least, embarrassment or offense through the more critical areas of betrayal or violation, or even the breaking of who we are as a human being. Now, fortunately, we live in a place where most of us won't ever have to deal with the worst of the worst atrocities that do break and destroy a human spirit. But that doesn't lessen the fact that we can feel the same emotions of the worst, when really, what's happened is that we're only embarrassed or offended or lightly betrayed all of which can happen daily in our work lives or our relationships. Now, I say all of this not to lighten that any of us could experience serious betrayal or real violation. If that happens, in those cases, we must have the courage to reach to others who are professionals, like counselors and pastors and doctors, who are trained to help us understand what happened. The point is that if we can honestly answer what happened, and accept that in many cases, while at the time it seems so worse than it really is on the spectrum of hurt, that this is something that we can get over if we only allow ourselves to do so. Which brings us to our second what happened question we must ask ourselves. We need to do something to move into making forgiving a verb. I see this as doing what needs to be done to react appropriately to the event and to also be sure we've protected ourselves as best we can from putting ourselves in the same or similar vulnerability for the future. So many times to put something behind us, we have to move forward or to a place of more security and protection. It is many times in the moving and in the doing that we can begin to see the solutions on how to forgive. Consider that just by talking out our hurts with others or finding examples of others who have gone through the same thing and how they forgave, overcame, and coped can be what gets us over the hump. It might be that just by daily writing in a journal what has happened, that we can see our own progress. But regardless, in order to answer our second what happened, we have to have done something to move towards forgiveness. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves answering the question with, nothing's happened, which is really saying we're stuck. And that's not where God wants us to be. The last what happened question is the one that we can ask ourselves when we've truly moved beyond the forgiveness into a place of potentially forgetting. Some things can never be forgotten, but many things can and will be. 
because we were able to replace those earlier events with new memories. Now, this is hard to do, but it also begins with us and our willingness to not be suspicious or look for the worst to happen again. We could years later be able to answer the last what happened question with, you know, I don't even remember. In our walk with God, He asks us daily, what happened? To which we're to ask for His forgiveness in the areas where we've strayed from Him. He then asks us, what happened? For us to be able to make the changes in our lives to keep from repeating our same transgressions. And then, because Jesus took all of our sins from us, God never even considers the third what happened. Because our sins, they're not only forgiven by Him, they're forever forgotten. It is in His example that we can truly learn to forgive better. And with our What Happened app, we can also be, hopefully, a model for others on how to forgive better. So, I love that last shot of Mount Davis, and I like to go up there a lot. Uh, how many of you, and, and I love Rusty, and I know he's going to forgive me for this, but how many of you while you were watching there wanted to just go and go with that little thing that was going, like, what is that? Like, how did you get it so white? I mean, that's like, but not taking away from what he said, because what he said was, it's just, a, um, but, you know, forgiving better. He's going to get to practice forgiving for me, with me. No, I'm kidding. So, you know, we, last week we talked about the hearse of life overcoming the hurts of life. And we talked about how wounds in our lives can be real and they might be connected to things of our past. They might have to do with situations that occurred. I talked about how our family, you know, just we, we were wrestling together about l losing our family dog and how that really hurt, hurt us, actually. It was, it was traumatic. And we talked about how, and that was a, comparatively speaking, I know a lot of people that may not seem like a big Big, as big of an issue as it, it was in terms of how it affected us, but it could be other things in our lives, things of our past, things that happened that were nobody's fault. We really can't say, oh, this was the reason it happened. It's just, we live in a broken world. We live in a sin-impacted world. Jesus even talked about how bad things happen. And when we get to the beginning of the year, Lord willing, as he allows, I have this series that I've been mentioning, I've been working on and praying about and pouring my soul into called Growing Through Adversity. And I want to talk about the different ways in which adversity comes at us in life and how the Lord wants us to position ourselves to overcome that, to face things, how to get past things, how to deal with things that can come at us at a number of levels and directions. So there's not always easy answers as to why this bad thing happened. But some things, we, we go, well, I brought it on myself. That's a self-inflicted wound. We talked about that. But some wounds are a product of choices that other people have made. And, and they have to do with the fact that we've had trust injuries. We've been betrayed. We were hurt by someone else. Those wounds that occur at the hand of another, those, those things have to be dealt with. And forgiveness, as Jesus taught us, is it's not just something we, we ought to do. It is the way to get better. It's the way to bring life from certain things that have death all over them. And so we're going to sit with that in the few minutes that we have. There's this great passage you follow in the, in the scriptures in Matthew 18 or just in the handout here. and We can just look at it together. It says that uh, Matthew 18, and Peter came to him and said, Lord, 
how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And that, that question of, of how much am I obligated to forgive is what Peter was sitting with. And, and uh, I think part of that had to do with, if you look at the chapter as a whole, I'm not suggesting that everybody would just all of a sudden have this quick recall around it, but if you, if you go back and read the 18th chapter of Matthew, you'll see that the, Jesus was actually having a discussion with his disciples. And the discussion he was having was how they were, interact, how they were supposed to interact at a community level, as a church, as, as they were being described. How were they supposed to, they were talking about issues of discipline and correction and, and oh, how to restore. There was a lot of interesting back and forth that was taking place. And it's quite likely that Peter was really engaged in that discussion and thinking about the implications of offense. And so when he asked the question, you know, Lord, how many, how many times, how often shall my brother sin against me? Am I supposed to forgive him? Is there a limit? Like, when do we confront something? When do I, I mean, am I obligated to forgive? If so, is there a limit to how, you know, I mean, how many times am I supposed to do it? And, and Peter, you know, throws out a number. Now, the prevailing wisdom at that time, in the, if you were to look at the teachings of the rabbis and the scribes in the time of Jesus, the prevailing teaching of the day was, you were to forgive that at least one time was appropriate. Two, if, if it was a similar offense, again, to forgive a second time would be considered a magnanimous gesture. A third time, a person does it, and these that you were, if you were to extend forgiveness a third time, which was, for them, it was the outer limits of forgiveness, kind of, right? That you were being an extraordinarily forgiving person. And after that, there was no need, the teachers taught that after that, you were no longer obligated to forgive. If, if you ever were, um, you were released of that. And so Peter is thinking about, they've been talking about this issue. He's thinking in his mind, you know, now remember, there's nobody in the world whose opinion matters more to Peter than Jesus. And so Peter is thinking about it, and he's the one that poses the question, and then he answers his own question. He says, you know, Lord, how many times do you think we're supposed to forgive? You know, I've come up with the number. I, I, I think seven is a good number. Now, maybe he thought in his mind, three is what's required. I'll double that and add an additional one, right? <laughs> you know, seven, and it's a biblical kind of a good, perfect, you know, seven is like a Bible number. I'll just pull that one out. And then I think Peter is waiting. He's thinking, you know what? I, he's, I, he says this in front of the rest of his, his crew, the disciples. And I think in his mind, he's thinking, you know, I, I think I'm going to get, I think I'm going to get really affirmed here because I just went way over the number of forgiving times that you're supposed to do. And I think Peter's in that moment where he says, you know, Lord, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Is seven? And I think I see him looking back. Like, <laughs> and I was like, I'm And I think in his mind, he's expecting to be, to hear Jesus say, you know, Peter, your, magna your, your magnanimous gesture just so exceeds anything that would re be required of a normal human being. I mean, you've extended this out it, once again, you show yourself to be far and above the rest when it comes to spiritual maturity. <laughs> it knows no bounds. And I think Peter is at least expecting something like that when what he gets from Jesus is, no, no, not seven. And maybe Peter thinks for a moment, ooh, maybe I overshot, right? And maybe I thought, maybe it was, maybe I, yeah, no, not seven. Really? Yes, well, Lord, you know, that's just the number I, not seven, I say to you, 
70 times 7, by which Jesus meant it's numberless, really. I don't even want you thinking about a number. I just want you to think about the fact that there should be no limit to your forgiveness. You are to be a forgiving person. And then Jesus says, oh, and by the way, you know, what I, I want to tell, I would like to share a story with you. Whenever Jesus says, I want to share a story with you, watch out, because usually that means he's about to teach us something that's going to get deep. And he says, in this, what is known as the parable of the unforgiving servant or the unmerciful servant, Jesus then says this. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, you know, it can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants and, and who had borrowed money from him. And then in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Let's just say $20 million, but his millions. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold. That was commonplace in that day, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned liquidated, his family sold off into slavery or servitude to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he bathed him. He said, please be patient with me. Please, please, I will pay it all. I'll pay you back every cent. Then his master was filled with pity for him. And he, and he released him, Jesus said, and he forgave his debt. Now, I look at this piece here and we look at it. I, it's almost, when we take a closer look at it's almost impossible to miss the the illustration that Jesus is using here. I mean, the picture is of a king settling his accounts, right? And the one servant, we don't know how he did it, but he managed to lose what to Jesus' listeners would have seemed to them to be an unimaginable amount, something in the millions. Again, by some estimates, as high as 20 million. How this guy lost the money, Jesus doesn't say. What he just says is that it was a fabulously enormous debt Something, he, something that man could never repay, ever, in his lifetime. There was like, it's, not like, it's not like he was going to be able to earn back enough money. In fact, if you, the implication is that if he, all of his pay for the rest of his life, he'd never even scratch the surface of what he had lost. What was at stake for him was everything that he loved. Right? Because according to the law of his day, his assets could have been liquidated, and his family sold, again, as I mentioned, into servitude. So in response to this, he's utterly distraught. Uh, his plight, he sees himself in major trouble. He has no way out. Uh, he throws himself at the king's feet. He's terrified. He cries out for mercy. I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. Just give me time. Just give me time, please. But the amount was so big, so astonishingly enormous that the offer, it just wasn't even realistic. You can never pay me back. You lost so much of my money. You can never pay me back. In fact, it was in response, it, almost, it was almost laughable. I guess quite possible the disciples said, there's no way he paid pay him back. And, and I look at that and I, and I say, wow, that's, it's, it's quite possible that his, as they were listening to Jesus share this tightly woven tale that everyone was sort of like going, yeah, that, there's no way, you can't pay your head. Everybody was probably kind of lighthearted about it, except for Peter who was still scratching his head about what had happened. And the way Jesus told it was that the king was moved towards compassion, so much so that he didn't even bother with a payment plan. It was like he said, you know what, 
the payment plan, it's, it's, you don't make anything to pay that back. The way I forget that it's almost like the only thing I have really two choices. I either, I either hold you tightly accountable for what you've done or I just forgive you. I don't want your payment. And you know what I'm deciding to do? I forgive you. You're free. Don't do it again, but you're free. Now, that's a picture of a lot of things. One, I mean, he, it was like, one, he was saying, no, there's nothing you can do to pay me back. It's a reminder, at least at one level, of the extraordinary debt that Jesus paid for us, that God was about to give his only begotten son. The ultimate cost of forgiveness would, be, would cost God everything. And in that sense, it's a great picture of a debt you and I can never pay. We can only receive it. It's so extravagant, the amount of debt. God commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. We get that. But at a relational level, Jesus was underscoring a great principle, and that had to do with forgiveness. And forgiveness, in this case, he makes it really clear that, that the Lord has forgiven us in such an amazing way, but also that you and I are also to be this kind of a person, that we are to be a people who forgive. And we are to, we are to the, the example of is, is great, and we look at it, and we go, wow, that's, this, is, this is wonderful. And so that would have been a great way to end the story. This is how, look, God wants us to forgive. There's no limit to your forgiveness. Here's the example of this king. But Jesus doesn't end it there. He takes it one step further. Look what he says. He says, oh, and there's one more part to this story I need to let you know about. He says, but when the man left the king, look at this, all right? Because again, He's trying to show us, teach us. He says, when the man left the king, he went to his fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He just got forgiven of a millions, and he found this man who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, maybe when he was trying to get all his money that he could get to try to, to make some type of a of an offer back to the king, I can pay you this amount of money. Maybe he started going through and he's thinking, this guy owes me this, this, they owe me this. You know, he's trying to pull it all in. But one man studded out in his mind and even after he was let go, you mean I'm free? You're free, I'm free. I can only imagine his happiness. But then he gets home and he starts thinking about the fact that you know what, that guy owes me a lot of money. Now you would think that someone who was rescued on the plank would have a very difficult time pushing somebody else off of it. <laughs> Watch what happens. Jesus says that his servant, he finds him, right? And he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat. He says, you owe me my money. And he demanded instant payment. Give me what you owe me now. And his fellow servant, I mean, the physicality of this, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, please, will you please be patient with me. I'll pay you back, he pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested, put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And then when some of the other servants, man, what a contrast, by the way. How could someone so treated so mercifully be so merciless? How could someone forgiven so much be so unforgiving? Right? At least part of this has to do with how we forgive people who hurt us. It says that he, the creditor, he says he wouldn't wait. He had him arrested. And then when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They, they went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven. He says, you are, you, you are, you are an evil man. 
kind of man are you? What kind of person are you? And it says that, that, look, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. You begged me. You said, please, and, I, and you threw yourself down and you asked for mercy and forgiveness. You could never have paid me back. I let you off. And then you go back after you've been given such a pass off of death row. And then you go back and you treat someone else like this. What's wrong with you? I'm so upset with you. Throw this man into prison. Have him tormented. I mean, this is the anger of a king. And Jesus then comes back on the back end of that and he says, and so will be. Look at that. So my heavenly father will do to you. That is, maybe not torture in the exact sense. I don't think that's what he was saying. But I think what he was saying is there's a consequence to treating people like this. There's a displeasure that God has when we treat others like this. When we have been forgiven and then yet we are so tightly wound. And uh, I look at that and I go, Lord, okay, I get it. You're going to hold us accountable. I get that. But here's the thing. I want to put this out. I want to just put this up and just get us thinking in a certain direction. Because really what I'm looking for here is, okay, how do we grow in our capacity to forgive? And one of the ways I think we need to remember as we're exploring this is that we need to begin by thinking of forgiveness as a way of being rather than just a number of, you know, or something we need to do from time to time. Again, Peter wanted a number. Can we settle on a number, Lord? Jesus said, I'm not going to give you a number. I'm going to give you a way of living. Uh, I don't want you to be as someone who marks offense. I want you to learn how to live as one who has been forgiven. And I want that lightness of being to define who you are. In one sense, we're talking about the relationship with God. But in another sense, we're talking about how we treat and love people, how we relate, how we get along, and how we forgive, and how we get past our wounds. This is where Jesus is getting at as well in this life. And one of the things I think he's reminding us of is that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He doesn't want us locked up in grudges and offenses and stuff from our past. The Lord, whom the Lord sets free, Jesus said, is free indeed. God, you know, there's things I go, Lord, I know I'm, I'm all tight right now. I just, everything's tight. I'm just, I, this issue is, I've got so much anxiety or I'm angry about it. And I know this is not how you want me to be here, Right? It's like, oh, the Lord doesn't want us to, that's not how he wants it. There is a lightness of his way. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It doesn't mean problem-free. It just means as we make our way through things in this life with all these ups and downs, fairness, unfairness, whatever it else stuff comes our way, that we learn how to be nimble in our heart so that we're not get stuck in places. And one of the places we get stuck is when people do things wrong to us. It could be at our workplace. We're getting stabbed in the back. It's all political. You know, everybody's out for themselves. People misrepresent things. It could be in our homes. It could be in our own friendships. We feel betrayed. It could have to do with things in our past that, that have like, you hurt me. I'll never get past that. I mean, stuff we carry, right? This is what we're talking about. The Lord, the Lord doesn't want us to be a, a person who's just always like, you know, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You know, ready to pounce out of, you know, you let me down before. It's not his way. Now, here's the thing. Remember, secondly, remember that in some cases, all right, because the more cognizant we are of how much we've been forgiven, 
then the, the easier, I didn't say easy, but the easier it will be to forgive. The more we live in the awareness of how much we have been forgiven, that's a key principle, right? The more we will in turn forgive. Now the second thought is right up there right now, you've already jotted it down, some of you, is that is this, that in some cases forgiveness needs to be continually applied. Now I'm gonna read something that I wrote for the book and I just would, would like you to hear it. It's true that Jesus used seven times 70 as a metaphor for something limitless and without number. But in so doing, he also gave us another magnificent forgiveness tool. He showed us that in a lot of cases, right, forgiveness is like a balm that needs to be applied over and over again until the wound heals up and depending on its severity, either disappears, heals up, or scars up, but it's not infected. We may forgive, place our injury in the Lord's hands, so to speak, only to have our anger, our bitterness, or our hurt at a return at an incidental like, memory or the mention of someone's name, and all of a sudden that, just, that stuff just rushes back in. The point is something pokes us, and all the pain we thought we surrendered in the forgiving well returns like a torrent, like a flash flood in a desert canyon after a thunderstorm. And in such moments, we find ourselves like clinging to the canyon wall for dear life, overwhelmed by emotions, emotions that we assume we had left behind. Doesn't forgiveness work? Why are we dealing with this again? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with God? What happened to all his promises? Well, Jesus said it's seven times 70, not one and done. And certainly the majority of our forgiving is one and done. And we move on. It's like, ah, it's just a minor scrape. But every now and then, you guys know this is true. Every now and then, the wound is so severe. Some of us might have that right now. That we must give ourselves time to convalesce, time to grieve. No easy answer will do. There will be no quick escape. There's, this is going to take, barring some rarity, time to get better, but not just time, for time alone does not heal all wounds. It usually makes them easier to bear, but not always. In some cases, time makes us worse. We find ourselves more and more bound by a wound we cannot bear. And this is where Christ will help us when we cry out to him for help or receive prayer or encouragement from another person. Forgiveness, listen, Forgiveness is the decision to yield our wound to the one who loves us instead of tending it like a dark garden of pain, feeding on its poison, torn up on the inside like a wounded animal. And it is something we must do over and over again as a feeling or memory we have left behind returns to us with a force unexpected. What do I do if it returns again? Forgive again. How many times? Every time, every time until it, it dissipates like blood in an ocean of grace. I was thinking about this. I remember as a teenager, I had a lot of anger to my father. And it was real. My anger was real because it wasn't hot. It didn't run hot, it ran cold. Cold as in, you hurt me, and I'm not going to care about you. That was the kind of anger I had. It's not, you're going to cripple me. It's just that I live in, I'm going to live my life without you. 
and it's not going to bother me. What had happened, and I've spent some time thinking about this and even whether I should even share, but what happened for me was when, we, when our family fell apart, I broke apart when it died. And mom and dad went their ways. We went with mom, my brother and I. My dad disappears. And I'm a teenager getting ready just to go into high school, and he's gone. And there are, and I was thinking, there are certain moments, and you know it, there are moments where all of a sudden you could be like way, you could be 30 years down the road and you can still remember something. And all of a sudden it can hit you and you remember it and it feels, you can feel it. You can feel your eyes water. And I remember a moment where I was, I just, I don't know, it came when I was thinking about forgiveness, about what Jesus was saying, what he had done in my life. And I remember there was this moment where I was, I was a freshman. It was the first time I had ever, sh- I remember it because I was looking in the mirror. And I remember I was getting ready, to, first time ever, to shave. I had a razor blade and, uh, on, you know, when I, was, I didn't have much hair. It just, just like a little bit, but it was a sincere effort. And um, I was scared a little bit. I only had seen people do it on TV, but I knew that I needed to try. And it was in that moment where I said to myself, Where's your dad? My father should be here. I remember that moment. And I remember how, for those four years, I played soccer, and I was on a traveling team, and I would play for my high school. And I remembered how my dad never came one time to see me play. Not once. I see other people with their families. I didn't get one. Nothing. And, I, and my mom couldn't come. It's, it's like, I remember, there are moments where I go, you know, I had that anger. And what, the reason I say that is because I remember how I was actually just a young teenager and I had this experience with the Lord. And when the Lord, when I really, I had grown up in Sunday school, I knew about Jesus. I knew the stories of the Bible. I went to this, I had wonderful teachers. Those stories have been part of my life for the rest of my life. They formed the foundation. Lord bless the ones who gave. They formed the foundation of my faith. Having said that, there came that point where I had all that anger in me. What am I going to do? I had this moment where I really had a genuine interaction with Jesus. I actually had it. It was right here. After service, sometimes I just started praying, and I, I felt like the Lord really moved in my life. And I went back to school. I was a different person. And I started wrestling with what it meant to live out the faith that I had been raised to kind of be around. And then how does that affect my relationship with my, I, my grandfather? His father was a godly man. Gave me a lot of love, but I still, I had a, my father, what do I do about that? <sighs> what do I do about the utter disappointment I have in him? And the, the anger that is there that is cold, not hot, but it's cold, it's real. How do I forgive that? That led me to the place where I said, Lord, you know what? How do I go from being angry and apathetic as a mechanism of protection to learning how to be merciful and, and how to bless? Because I can see that's what you want me to do. And you showed me that. I've been given so much. So then that led to this. And this is, and this is the third piece. And I just want to put it out there, tying it together. Because sometimes, and this is going to help some of us. Some of us we go, ah, oh, yeah. 
But sometimes it's best to begin the forgiving process with modest steps. Let me tell you what I learned, and I think it's okay. Because a couple of weeks back, we heard someone say, you know, Jesus said, bless your enemies, bless those who person." That's like high ground, high ground. I mean, we have a hard enough time really blessing some people who mildly irritate us. <laughs> right? Like, you irritate me. And to bless the one who genuinely hurts us or wounds us or we feel is responsible for unfair baggage that I have to carry because of choices you made, that, that's a different level. And one of the things I've come to understand in the Lord is sometimes the first step, this is not going to sound hyper-spiritual to everybody, but I'm going to tell you what, I believe this. Sometimes the first step is saying, Lord, would you teach me to be free of malice in my heart? What is malice? It's ill will. That is to say, I no longer desire you to experience pain or punishment or retribution. May my heart, I'm not saying justice should not be served. I get that. There are times where boundaries and mercy, I get all that justice. I get it. But I'm just saying there's a lot of times where the Lord is saying, you know what? The first step in, in forgiving is to say, Lord, I don't know if I can pray this prayer up here, but I'm going to start praying right here. And what I'm going to say to you is, would you, you who have loved me so much and, and not only have forgiven me, but continue to forgive me. Not only have I experienced your astonishing mercy, but I need that mercy every day, if I'm honest. <sighs> Help me not to hold things that bind me down. That's not who you made me to be. So, I can only, what I will pray here, Lord, I start here, I will not, I will ask you to remove the anger, I'll pray, I will not, I will not, I will come against this thing and I will not desire to see evil or justice. I, I don't want any, I don't, I'm not praying any, I don't want any garbage. I'm not sending that out. I'm letting it go. All right, I just ask you to free me enough to not curse that person. Free me, all right, start there. Get me out of, I want you to get yours. And then, watch how the Lord then takes us along. Because the next thing I would say is, Lord, would you help me to pray that your mercy that has been such a blessing to me would be extended out. That might come a little further down the road. But you get to a point then where you can say, Lord, not only do I ask for you not to harm them, to give them what they do not deserve, just like you gave me what I did not deserve, your grace, your love. But I also pray that you would be merciful to them. And now, give me compassion in ways I never had before, and then give me, Lord, the ability to look a little bit more like you in ways I could not do on my own. I ask that you would then give me the capacity to bless the one that is not worthy of it, even as I have been blessed totally unworthy of what you have done for me. I will tell you this. When it came to my own dad, and I'll just leave it here, I, I can't say that I ever, ever got back to a, a deep, loving, wonderful, warm, classic Hollywood, feel-good ending. But I will say that I had a, a healed-up heart, and I ended up being able to really bless my father 
before he died. And we were able to make sure that we prayed together and he had reaffirmed his faith in Jesus. It was, it was not a great ending, but it was way better than it could have been. Way better. And my heart was freed. It got freed up along the way. I could really bless. That's what God wants from us. He bless as we have been blessed, right? That's his way. That's his way. All right. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you uh, for so many things. I, I do pray. I, I pray that you would. And maybe some of us right now, we just need to pray this prayer. Maybe some of us, or we feel a little bit locked up. Maybe there's something again. I'm not, maybe some of us, just supposed to, we're supposed to put our hands out before you and just say, Lord, I'm really open to your healing touch as well. But help us to live as ones forgiven, free to live, free to love, free to get better. That's what you, I know, free to bless even as we have been blessed. May we, every one of us here, every one of us here, may we be free to go your way, to follow in your steps, to give our hurts to you and let go. If some of us have the quiet rage, let it go. Surrender it. Some of us need to forgive. Maybe we start by just saying, Lord, I release my desire to curse. I, I pray for mercy. Oh. I apply the balm of forgiveness a little at a time. May it bring a healing. For we know that when we forgive, the one we really set free is ourselves. May we forgive as we have been forgiven. Help us to live this way, to get there, grow there, move along the way better. I ask for this blessing. And let the, let the, let the song that we close with, let it just kind of be a, a soothing, uh, a kind of a, a, a freshness. Let there be a, a cleansing as we share that song after our time of giving. May there just be a feel like a, a cleansing time of hopefulness around this word. I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord.